Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Uh, today we're going to be in Ephesians 4. I hope you've been able to keep up with us in the uh, New Testament in 90 days. It's been a journey and we're coming to a close on that. And uh, we read Hebrews and Ephesians this week. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 is where we're going to start. While you're flipping there, I'll tell you a little bit about my uh, life. Basically, for the last several years, the, the list of 18-year-olds in my life that are moving on to the next phase moving on to college, moving on to a job, moving to a new place in the world, that list keeps growing. And it's about to get even bigger here in just a couple months. I will miss a lot of those seniors. But uh, that list keeps growing. And a conversation I get to have with them all the time, it's one that I love, is the conversation about church shopping. Anybody ever hear any church shopped in here? Anybody? I mean, if you're here, you probably have. So... Uh, church shopping is this idea of you move to a new place and it is now your turn. For these 18-year-olds going to college, for the first time, they have to look for a church on their own. It's daunting. It's a big task to, to set before yourself, especially that age. And what you end up seeing with them, and really for anybody who has ever looked for a new church, moved to a new place, uh, you get to identify some questions or like a filter that a church passes through and like these are the things that are really important to me. And always what you're going to find is things like music, things like the preaching or the programs that they have. Like are my kids going to have fun? Are they going to make friends? Or are they going to preach through the book of John for five years? I've been to that church. No joke. I'm pretty sure they're still in it. Um, or, or like, are, are they going to sing the hymns? Or are they not going to sing the hymns? What kind of music are they going to have? Like, these are the kind of questions that we ask when we go to a new church or when we're looking for a new church. And what we're going to see here in Ephesians 4, what I think that Paul uncovers is that those questions, a lot of them, like, they are important and they should be asked. But they, are, they come secondary to a couple questions I think Paul puts forth that are, are primary. And that is, number one, that, like, what is the purpose of ministry? And for us, like, what is our purpose of ministry? And then secondly, what are we trying to produce? What is our purpose, and then what are we trying to produce out of that ministry? So we're going to try to answer those two questions this morning out of Ephesians 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 11, and then we will dive in to this awesome passage. So Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
awesome. So a major run-on sentence that we're going to look, try to seek our way uh, through and answer those two questions. What is the purpose of ministry and then what are we trying to produce? So starting there in verse 11, it says that God has given his people, God has given the church a set of leaders. And the thing that marks these leaders, that makes them what they are, is that in general, they are ministers of the word. Ministers of the word of God. So like when Timothy gets his first letter from Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 3, he gives these qualifications for what it means to be an overseer or shepherd or pastor. And one of those is that he would be able to teach. He'd be able to teach. And like this is what the the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers This is what makes them what they are. They're able to teach and deliver the word of God. And they lead congregations. They lead churches under the authority of Scripture. And they live their lives under the authority of Scripture. So for for us, like here on staff, this is a warning and a reminder and a challenge to keep that at the highest priority. The word of God is our driving force, our driving authority. It's a good challenge. It's a good reminder for me as we preach. But... In verse 12, Paul's going to do something really cool. If you look down in verse 12, it says that he gave them to equip the who? Yeah, you are with me. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints, every Christian, every believer, every person that has been redeemed by Jesus, baptized into the family of Jesus, into a community of believers. Every Christian has been entrusted with this task of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. So a quick recap of this book, and I wanted to spend more time on this, but I just, I can't. Like the quick recap of Ephesians. Again, I hope you read it this week, but the first three chapters are devoted to this glorious grace of God, a gospel story, a gospel story that applies to every single believer and that they are all part of. And it is Jesus coming in and saving us from our sins by grace through faith, by grace through faith. And this is what the the first three chapters are all about, that Jesus, through the work, finished work on the cross, has grafted us into this family of God. And that's super important because as we get to chapter 4, Paul's going to flip things around. It's less about um, doctrine, glorious grace, and now it's, okay, what are we going to do about it? So he says, I, therefore, everybody say, therefore, Therefore means, listen up, here is why, here's how we're going to move forward. And it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And what have they been called to? What have they been called to? They have been called to a new family. So we need to get this today, that we, if you are in Christ, you have been called to a brand new family. A new tribe, a new people, really. And, and the reason this is important, the reason Paul stresses this, is because he's writing to a group of Ephesian Christians in a city called Ephesus that was extremely worldly. And they, they feel like they are second-rate Christians, second-class Christians, because they're not from Jerusalem and they're not actually originally Jewish. They're originally Gentiles. 
So they're, cut in, they're caught in this middle ground of like, we're not Jewish, but we can't live as Gentiles anymore. So where are we? Who are we? And they feel like second-rate Christians. And Paul is writing to them to tell them, hey, that old covenant is old news. The sign is no longer circumcision, and now it is baptism. No longer this physical, this law you follow. Now we are under a covenant of grace. So it's wonderful news for them and also for us as to be a part of this new covenant family and part of a new covenant relationship with Jesus because that's what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. A covenant relationship between us and him and therefore us together. So to be part of this new call to a new family of God means that you, Christian today, are in covenant relationship with Jesus and covenant relationship with the people sitting around you right now. Right now, sitting around you. So a helpful distinction for me, can we ready, are you guys ready to turn your imaginations on for a second? Yeah? So every Wednesday I speak to students and they're like really engaging. So anyway, that's what I'm used to, just saying. Um, So this is what we do, right? So anyway, turn your imaginations on for a second. Um, Imagine with me, your coworkers right now. Uh, Pick a a coworker and then rewind the clock all the way back to like zero years old. And imagine that you go to the same elementary school, your neighbors in the same subdivision. Then you go to the same middle school, same high school. You graduate, you are best friends with this person. Then you go to the same university, You major in the same thing. You have the same schedule. You go to every class together. You could do each other's homework. You go to the football games together. You do everything together. And then you graduate from your university. You go back to wherever home is. And then you go, you both get your dream job. You both get married. You both start a family. And then you both start working in the exact same place. Y'all tracking with me on this? You have everything in common with this person. Some of you may not have to imagine this. You, 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 know, you like, you know this person. I have a twin brother. I know this person. Not hard for me to imagine this. But like, imagine you have lived a parallel life with somebody. Imaginary or real. You lived parallel lives. You have everything in common with them, except for one thing. On Sunday mornings, you are here and they are at home in their pajamas. You know Jesus. They don't. But everything else, you have everything else in common. Now, you come into this place on Sunday mornings, look across the room, and you see somebody in a completely different phase of life than you. Maybe they don't even have a job or a direction for a job yet. Or maybe they're out of their job, retired. There's like a 25-year age difference there. You see somebody who you would, if you sat down over coffee, you could certainly find something to disagree about. Certainly. You could definitely find something that you see differently because you see the world through a different lens. You see the world very differently. You could definitely find something to disagree on because you have absolutely nothing in common with this person. To be a part of this covenant community with people, covenant relationship with Jesus and then a covenant community means that you would be able to look across at that person in a totally different different mindset, phase of life, And be able to say, hey, because of Jesus, I have more in common with you than I do this other person who I have everything in common with because of Jesus. 
we are striving and pushing towards unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Knowledge of and knowing Jesus personally. It's like we, this is what it means to be a Christian, to attach and identify with a community of believers, a gospel community from the moment you met Jesus into eternity that, hey, I have more in common with you. Even though we're different, even though we're not uniform, we have a unity that has been purchased by Jesus, purchased by him on the cross. When he purchased our salvation, he too purchases our unity with him and therefore to each other. This is what Jesus has done on the cross for us. So that first question, what is the purpose of our ministry? Both here and uh, in across the whole universal church, the purpose of ministry is this, to attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That is what our purpose is, and that's what we are running after. Knowledge of Jesus and knowing Jesus personally. And, and I hear all the time, man, we want to be a picture of gospel community. And that sounds great. But I would rather us be in reality a gospel community, not just a picture of, in reality, a gospel community of believers who belong to one another. Here's the cool part. This has to play out. It has to play out in your life. And it does in two ways. It plays out in your personal ministry outside the church and also within, inside the walls of the church. So here's a a picture of this. You'll notice that Paul did not say, Um, He did not say that, hey, God has given us these leaders so that they can do the work of ministry. Yes, he has given us these gifted leaders, ministers of the word, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. If every need in the church fell on the staff members of this church, we are toast, y'all. We are toast. We cannot handle that. Every last person, every last Christian in this room is a minister of the gospel and entrusted with that work. So right here, what we see here is, and by the way, our pastor helped me with this because this is how his brain works, right? Um, I love the visuals. Um, We see ministry inside, inside the church, and then outside in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your homes, right? This is what we're talking about inside the church and then outside the church. And we'll talk about the maturity bit here in just a second. Some of you have been playing this game for a really, really long time in a great way, like in a good way, that you can see yourself in this picture inside. Okay, like VBS has been my game. Yes. I have have led small groups. I have taught Sunday school. I have volunteered with the student ministry. I have done this and this and this. Like you can see yourself really clearly. This is how I have served inside the church. And then others of you, you can see yourself really clearly in the outside. Yes. My, when I look across the room, like my neighbors, my, my coworkers even, like they don't even, like they're more than aware of my faith because I won't stop talking about it. Like, if that's you, keep that up. And then circling back to the inside, like you look across the room and maybe you see somebody that you at one point discipled. Or you look across the room and you see somebody who you went and visited in the hospital. You see somebody who you taught on Sunday morning, you taught in Sunday school. Maybe you see somebody who like was a little kid at some point and is now becoming a young adult because you have served with that person. 
Maybe you see somebody that you, like, like you went to visit them in their time of need, or somebody you serve. Like, this is your game, serving within the church. And then outside the church, some of us are really involved with our new Afghan friends in our city. T- thousands, thousands of new people coming into our city, and their, their biggest need is to feel welcomed, and they need to see somebody with a kind face. And like, man, some of you are really involved in that. When it comes to disaster relief with so many hurricanes, like we have mobilized and gone out to serve our community and even communities that are hours away from us. Or you, like, you, you know your neighbors, and they know that you're praying for them, and they know that you love them. And like, you know the names of the people on your kid's soccer team. And like you, you have served them and you know them and you know their needs. Like that's your game, serving outside. So wherever you are at in that picture, what it looks like to be in a gospel community is this, that, okay, I see the work of ministry within the church and I can apply myself and serve in that area. Or outside I have developed spiritual eyes and spiritual ears and those muscles to say that, hey, this is a need in my community and I can get in there and I can serve in that way. But some of you look at this picture and you're like, I don't know where I fit in there. I don't, I don't know if I can see myself like I'm outside of the outside. You can't see yourself. Like, where do I fit in there? And what I want to tell you this morning is that if you are a follower of Jesus— then there is still time on the clock to step into the work of ministry. It comes with your faith. It's time to step in to the work of ministry. So, for example, right down the hall, right now as we speak, who's got kids down the hall? Lots of us. It's so cool for me to think about the possibility that somebody down the hall at three or four years old is hearing a Bible story for the very first time. Can you imagine, like, hearing Daniel and Lion's Den for the very first time, what that would be like? And that, like, hey, this is not like the stories I hear at preschool or in these other books. It's real. Or the biggest one, like, okay, wait a minute. Jesus came into the world because he's God and he loves me and he died on the cross and then he rose from the, the grave all because he loves me. Like hearing that for the very first time would be crazy. I was talking to somebody recently uh, who uh, has a clip of a Star Wars um, movie in the original theater. And I said, man, if you had Empire Strikes Back, I would have to see that because wouldn't we all love to experience that spoiler for the first time again? That would be super cool. And that's what makes me think about these stories in the Gospels and in the whole Bible, actually. Like, what if we could hear them for the first time? Well, that's happening down the hall. And you can be a part of that. You can step into and be the person that says, hey, God loves you and he created you beautifully and, and for a certain purpose. And he wants to know you. Like, man, you could be that. You could be that. You could step into that role. For the summer with kids, we've got Camp Connect coming up. And it is going to be an all-hands-on-deck effort. We've got so many roles. Student roles, volunteers, host homes. Like, we need everything to make this week happen. And if you're an organizational person, this is your spot. This is your role to step into. To go up to, to Carrie and say, hey, I want to I help with Camp Connect. Tell me what to do. Like, that would be amazing to step into that role. It's going to be a great week. 
Now, obviously, I'm a student pastor here, and I could ramble about student ministry for a really long time. I'm not going to do that. I came up with one sentence, okay? I tried my best. If, if, if this is you, if you care about the next generation coming to love Jesus, then you belong on one of our three trips this summer. Coming to Galveston for a mission trip or to camp or to another trip to Galveston. If that's you, if you're passionate about seeing Jesus work in lives of students and even in your own life, in your own faith, you belong on one of those trips. Talk to me. I've got a spot for you. And the best part is I don't even have to convince you because I have team members who will do it for me through their stories and through their experience. Or on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, like there are a thousand empty spots in the student ministry ready for you to step into them. And the call from, I think, Ephesians 4 is to to say yes and step into the work of ministry as a saint, as a believer in Jesus. So there are countless roles. Like if all of us are ministers of the gospel, if all of us are are, uh, entrusted with the work of ministry, then being a part of a small group or a Sunday school class is not so much about us soaking up as it is about us investing in and pouring into the people around you, the people who are sitting in this room three rows behind you or three rows in front of you. Like being a part of a small group, being a part of a gospel community— is very much about building up the people around us by your presence. Like there is a spot for you in every group that we have available here, and there are lots available at our church. So there are roles, there are spots to be filled. And as a minister of the gospel, all of us in this room, the calling is there. I tell the students all the time, there is a, such a thing as a general revealed will of God and then a hidden will of God. Your hidden will is something that God calls you specifically towards, a passion, and he prepares you for that and unleashes you, opens doors for you to go into that. And that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about a general revealed will of God that is for every Christian to be a minister of the gospel that takes the building up of the kingdom and the pursuing after that unity seriously. That is true for every Christian, if, if you are in this room, it is true for you. So, What I want to say is this, that when you look at this and you think, okay, inside ministry towards outside ministry, the more you think about ministry, the more you'll think about ministry. The more you operate within ministry, the more you'll operate outside ministry. What that means is you'll develop spiritual eyes, you'll develop spiritual ears, like, and you'll be able to say, okay, God is opening this door to give me an opportunity to be of service, to be of help. Like God has given me this, and now you're noticing it for the first time. So to think about ministry more, think about, the more you think about ministry, the more you will think about ministry, right? And then there's more context to this that I want to show you. If you flip to the next picture, um, if you flip this on its side, it starts to look more like a cycle and more like a cyclone that's working its way towards maturity, spiritual maturity, maturity in Jesus. I think this is super cool and super helpful that as you serve within the church and then you serve outside the church in your community and then inside the church and then outside, again, you are working your way towards maturity in Jesus. And the the call is to say, hey, I'm going to say yes to this calling of Jesus to pursue after the unity of the faith and the knowledge of 
the Son of God to mature manhood towards mature manhood. But here's the deal. Like I said earlier, you may look at this and you may not be able to see where you're at. I don't know where I'm serving in the church. I don't know where I'm serving outside the church. Here's what I want to say. I want to say with lots and lots of love. Jesus came, dies on the cross, purchasing the debt of our sin, paying the debt of our sin, and through atonement and through forgiveness, Jesus has purchased our salvation. Yes, He has purchased our redemption and he is transforming us. Purchased our salvation. What that looks like is us united to him. Like this. And through doing that, through that purchasing of our salvation, Jesus has also purchased our unity together. United to one another. We belong to one another. We identify with one another. Jesus has purchased salvation and he has purchased our unity. And Jesus did not die on the cross And Jesus did not purchase that unity so that some could play the game and others can spectate. Like, he has united all of us together for the purpose of ministry so that all of us could be ministers of the gospel to one another and to the world that he has placed us in. So what this looks like, if you find yourself in that, if you want to know Jesus intimately and personally, the knowledge of the Son of God, knowing him and knowing about him, then we've got to step into this story. And it's a better story than any other story that you can tell. Uh, I'm stepping into a role that God has set aside for me, whether it's in here or whether it's out there during the week. God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And this is the purpose of ministry. Yes, unity of the faith and pursuing knowledge of the Son of God, but also moving individually in ourselves towards spiritual maturity belonging to each other, bearing other's burdens in love. Like we are moving towards a spiritual maturity. And then lastly, we want to answer the question, what are we trying to produce? This is going to be in verse 14. If you want to look down, we'll start reading again in verse 14. Verse 14 says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the purpose of ministry is, like we said, to attain the unity of the faith and then to know and have knowledge of the Son of God. And what is that ministry trying to produce? It is trying to produce mature believers, fully adult, mature believers in Christ. This is the purpose of, our, of this ministry. So this ministry is not producing infants who stay that way forever, but rather it's producing Christians who are so tethered to the Word of God. I think of that game on the playground, right? Tetherball. Remember that game? So tethered to the Word of God that when waves come, when trends come, when deceit comes, or when lies come into our arenas, into our circles, when those things enter in, we are so tethered to the, world, to the Word of God and the truth of God's Word that we're not going to be swayed away from that. We're not going to be taken away. We're not going to be drawn away. We're not even going to be budged. Why? Because we are attached to the truth that is God's Word. 
And here's the deal. I don't know if you've been watching a little bit of the news, but we are living in a world where they, yes, they need to know the truth of the gospel, but we also live in a world where people need to know that truth exists. And like, there's a difference between deceit and wickedness and, uh, and wickedness and truth and righteousness and God's word. Like we need to be a people who are tethered to the word of God so strongly that we would be able to be the ones who can speak in love. Speak truth in love. Because if the church is not going to be the people in your homes, in your work, if we're not the people who speak truth, who speak the gospel truth, then who's going to tell them? I don't know. I honestly don't know. So we are uniquely entrusted with the work of ministry, unity in faith. Jesus says in John 17 that the world will know him through our unity. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a weird concept too, that as best we can operate as God's people within this body, as best we can be unified and show the world that that is true, man, that is how the world will see the goodness of Jesus. That was how people will see that Jesus is at work and that he is active in our lives and transforming us as a people. But if if the world sees the opposite, then how are we supposed to win people? How are we supposed to fulfill the Great Commission? So this is the challenge before us, church family, to be a body who takes the building up of the kingdom seriously and to to take the expansion of the kingdom seriously. And the way we do that is by belonging to each other. Gospel community, a covenant community. We love one another. We bear one another's burdens. He says this in the very beginning of chapter 4. We bear one another's burdens in love. That means we put up with each other. That means we put up with our families. It means we put up with our neighbors. It means we put up, we bear with one another. Why? Because we're pursuing unity. And we're pursuing knowledge of the Son of God. And we want to know Him intimately and personally. So that's the purpose of our ministry, unity and knowledge of Jesus. And we are hoping and striving to produce from our kids' ministry all the way up mature believers who are tethered to the Word of God and who will also be the ones who speak the truth of the gospel in love. Because the truth is found in the Word of God and is found in the God of the Word. And the world needs to see that. So, last challenge before we wrap up today is that we would be a body. Let's be a body who takes the building up of the kingdom seriously and the expansion of God's kingdom seriously by the unity of faith, loving each other, belonging to each other, and bearing another's burdens together. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and thank you for um, the fact that you did come into this world and you did live a perfect life and then you went to the cross on behalf of our sins. And Lord, we look towards this in Easter coming up just around the corner. But the fact that you purchased our salvation and you purchased this unity, Lord, I pray that we would notice that and that we would live and operate in that. Lord, if you have a spot for us within the church, would you open doors and help us to see where we should step in the work of the ministry and then even outside these walls, outside in the world that we live in, that you have placed us in, God, would you open doors? 
Would you give us spiritual eyes to see needs, to help us to be a prayerful people, prayerful families? And God, that we would take unity of the faith and knowledge of you seriously. We want to know you more. We want to know you intimately. But God, I pray that first we would be all about building up your kingdom and expanding that kingdom. So as we worship, as we respond, uh, would you again show us where you're calling us. Show us the doors that you're opening for us to serve and make that abundantly clear. God, would you use us to accomplish your work of ministry in the world. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.